This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 829 with Laura Morton. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 829. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Laura Morton has been involved in the entertainment industry for more than 30 years as a writer, producer, and entrepreneur. She's the author of over 60 books and a staggering 21 New York Times bestsellers with a wide range of celebrities, including Jennifer Hudson, Al Roker, Justin Bieber, the Jonas Brothers, Melissa Etheridge, Katherine Schwarzenegger, and Danica Patrick, just to name a few. She's also written bestselling business books with top business leaders. Most recently, Laura co-directed, produced, and wrote the award-winning documentary, Anxious Nation. Her first feature focused on the crisis of anxiety in America, especially its impact on our youth and their families, available for streaming on Amazon, Google Play, and Apple TV. Anxious Nation is a deep dive into the hidden crisis burdening our youth. Inspired by her own daughter's battle with anxiety, Laura recognized the broader global implications of this emotional turmoil and Anxious Nation was born. The film unravels the rise of anxiety rates among our nation's youth, especially post-pandemic, emphasizing the undeniable link between mental health and academic commitment. The documentary provides parents not just the insight into this alarming trend, but equips them with practical strategies to tackle these unprecedented challenges. 
Anxious Nation offers families a beacon of hope, understanding, and actionable measures. The new generation urgently needs this dialogue, one that sheds light on their struggles and offers hope for a brighter, more understanding future. It's time to have these tough conversations to prevent further suffering and empower parents with tools that truly support our children. I'm so incredibly grateful for Laura for creating Anxious Nation, first of all, but then also for taking the time to come join us on the Shameless Mom Academy. She's obviously very talented and very busy doing many important things. And I'm so grateful that she took the time to join us and have this conversation. Anxious Nation is something that needs to be seen by every parent. And it's easy to access on Amazon, Google Play and Apple TV. And I think that there's so much for all of us to learn in terms of what is happening with our children and mental health. So listening to hear Laura share her journey to becoming a single mom by choice, how she recognized that her daughter needed support for her anxiety, how we treat medical conditions in children with urgency, but not mental health conditions, the stark data around girls and mental health, and the massive shift in data pointing to teen girls' mental health struggles, consistent sadness, hopelessness, and suicidality that we can no longer afford to ignore. The importance of sharing diverse stories around anxiety, culturally, socioeconomically, and at all ages and developmental stages. What you can do right now to support your child's mental health, even if you're on a wait list to access services, because we know that this is a thing. I was actually just in conversation with someone yesterday who was talking about how it's not uncommon for wait lists right now to be three to five years long for certain services for mental health diagnoses and diagnostic assessment tools for children. So this is obviously like crisis level stuff here. And then lastly, Laura talks about how you can help your child channel their anxious energy. This is such a significant conversation, such an important one. And whether or not you can identify that your child is struggling with anxiety, managing anxiety or not, I think that it's important that we all know that this is happening because if it's not directly impacting your immediate family, people in your household, I promise you it is impacting people in your close community and layers in your circles of influence very close to you, whether or not you know it. So I'm so grateful that Laura came in for this conversation. I hope that you learn a lot. I hope you walk with some powerful takeaways. Everyone needs to go watch Anxious Nation right after this. And with all that said, please join me in welcoming Laura Morton to the Shameless Mom Academy. Laura, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks for having me, Sarah. It's such a privilege. So when we got an email from your team about this conversation and about Anxious Nation, which you produced and wrote, I immediately knew it would be an easy yes, because this is the conversation we're already having on an ongoing basis within our Shameless Mom community and the work that you're doing in support of this conversation and bringing awareness to what is going on with our kids, what's happening in our country as a result of many things colliding, but really specifically the pandemic. I know this is going to be really valuable to our audience. So thank you. Thank you for being here um, to get this conversation started. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Great. So Where we typically dive in is beyond your bio, we love to know a little bit about what are the dynamics of your personal and professional life? And is there anything that you're really excited about right now? Well, those are two very different questions. (laughs) (laughs) Not so excited about my personal life. Uh, (laughs) No, I, you know, my personal life, I'm a single mom by choice. I have a teenage daughter. I, you know, I wear a lot of hats in our family. And every day I just strive to do the best that I can. 
and to be the best parent that I can. And so, you know, it's some days are easier than others. It's really hard raising a teenager these days, especially a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. So, but I am, if you ask me what I'm really excited about right now, gosh, there's so much not to be excited about in the world, but I will tell you that my daughter happens to be having a much better year this year than last year. She was a freshman in high school last year and it was tough. And so I'm feeling really good that she's finding her, uh, her place, right? Her confidence. And as a parent, it's really nice to see how she's developing and growing because, you know, life has been a struggle for her. I'm imagining that that must be a big weight off of your mom's shoulders to have her in a place where she's feeling more comfortable navigating the school year. It is today, right? But tomorrow (laughs) that weight could come right back, right? Yesterday was one of those days. I've gotten better at navigating the unknown with her. Mm -hmm. And so that's been really helpful. You know, making our film Anxious Nation taught me so much. And, you know, I, in 2018, when the idea for the movie came to me, I thought I was failing as a parent. I Mm -hmm. really genuinely felt incredibly defeated and I'm a high achieving woman. So the fact that I was feeling like here, I decided to, you know, have a child in my forties on my own. It was really hard for me to accept that somehow I was, I was letting her down. And so I thought what was happening in our home, and this is all, you know, rooted in her anxiety and how it was showing up. I thought what was happening in our home was only happening in our home because in 2018, we were not talking about this the way that we do today. And I was sitting at my desk, kind of like I'm sitting right now talking to you. And I just kind of went on Facebook, which of course, why wouldn't I go on Facebook? Right. And I just put one line that said kids and anxiety, who's dealing with it? Because I really wanted to know, is it, was it just us? And of course it wasn't just us, Mm -hmm. but putting that one line on Facebook was a game changer for me. I'm a storyteller by trade. I'm a multiple New York times bestselling author. I know how to tell a good story. And what came from that post was that there was something brewing and something happening and people wanted to talk about, they didn't know how, and we certainly weren't turning to each other, our friends, because I got messages from people who I had dinner with the week before. Mm-hmm. who shared with me, they had a child who attempted suicide and I never knew. And it just felt to me like I had this really rare opportunity to take something that I, that I was struggling with and try to do some good with it. And I feel that way about a lot of the books that I write. You know, the idea of course is to put good in the world. But when it came to this, it was so personal. It yeah. was about my child. It was about our family. And I really struggled because I thought if my family was struggling, I really could not fathom how other families were getting through this, Sarah. I just, I couldn't imagine. We have insurance, we had access, we had the ability to get her in to see anybody. And it was still really painful. And, you know, I set off on this journey that's been almost five years in the making now. There's so much of what you just said that parallels and intersects with Stuff that's happened in our family over the last few years, as well as it's funny that you mentioned going to dinner with other moms. I was at a dinner last night with a mom friend and she has a daughter. I have a son. She has a daughter who's two years older than my son and goes to a different school, different community. And so I was talking about some of the struggles that I'm seeing among boy families in my, at our, in our local community that have like, there's these really strong themes around mental health and some of them very specifically anxiety. And then she started talking about her situation with her daughter and her daughter's friends. And she was like, we were like completing each other's sentences, except for like different community, different gender, different grade. But like, and then she started talking about how like there's a handful of girls in their community and 
they had gone through all these different steps around supportive mental health and therapy and diagnoses and then ultimately medication. And she's like, this is such an interesting thing that like multiple girls in the same circle of friends are having this very same diagnosis. They're on the same medication, all these different things. And it's a really interesting trajectory that I think that we're on with children right now. And I want to point out an honor that as a single mom by choice, and I bow down, <laughs> um, I have a few single mom by choice friends and you are my people. I was raised by a single mom. So I just know that wow. when you're going through that and you don't have someone to bounce ideas off of and like, say, are you seeing this? This is what I'm seeing. That's like a whole nother component. And I want to acknowledge having an only child, which is my situation where you don't have the benefit or the experience of saying like, oh, like this kid is doing this and that kid's doing that. And now I can see that there's a difference here that maybe needs to be addressed because I know we've gone through things. I'm like, well, maybe this is just normal. This is just how it is for everyone. And then having to ask the doctor and hearing like, mm, that sounds a little like n- not as typical. <laughs> and so uh, all of that to say that this work is really, really important. And I think that sharing our own stories allows us to see ourselves, but also allows us to tap into better ways to support our kids and recognizing that we're not alone and also being able to share resources, have conversations and like do some personal healing in order to show up in better ways for our children to support them as they're growing. Well, I mean, you just, I I literally could have just said everything you just said. So first (laughs) of all, thank you for the acknowledgement. It is the the greatest gift I've ever been given is the gift of, of being a parent. And my daughter certainly is my greatest teacher. But for me, it's so interesting what you're saying, because it was only when you started talking with your friend that it became a conversation, right? So yes. that's what happened with that post on Facebook. It was like I like I just you know ripped the shroud of secrecy off, and people want to talk about it. In 2018, it was a totally different story than where we are in 2023, going into 2024. Yeah. But what is so amazing is that there is a hunger to talk about it because, and one of the reasons I named the film Anxious Nation is because there's a connection. That happens when you are talking about what's happening with our children and what's happening. You know, when I first set out to make the film, the biggest question people wanted to know, people ask me all the time, well, I mean, are we more anxious or are we just more aware of it? Mm -hmm. And in 2018, that was a pretty valid question. Yeah. In 2023, it's moot right? There's just no question that we're more anxious. There's a lot of, you know, data that supports that. But the question then became why? And that's also not a one size fits all, you know, one size fits all answer. What I really, really wanted to do was explore, well, what can I do about it? And the thing that I learned that was so fascinating to me, because I learned a lot in making this film, I got to talk to, like, if I had a basketball team of all-stars, those are the people, the experts that we have in Anxious Nation. So we have Dr. Shafali and Dan Siegel and Harold Kopowitz and the fabulous Lynn Lyons, who is so wonderful in this film, and many others. And they all have a slightly different point of view on what can we do? Because that's what I think families really, really crave. I think, you know, in our film, Harold Koplowitz, who's the founder of Child Mind Institute, he says, you know, on average, it takes families two to eight years to seek help. And it's amazing when you think about that statistic, because if your child has a rash, you're putting cortisone on it that day. God forbid the rash should spread, right? And if the rash doesn't clear up, the child is in the pediatrician's office. And two weeks later, if the rash hasn't cleared up, they're in a dermatologist's office. So we treat a rash with more seriousness than we do our children's mental health. And I think in so many ways, parents don't even understand what it is that they're dealing with, right? We had a review in the New York Times that referred to panic attacks as 
temper tantrums. And it's so irresponsible, you know, that is, that's what adds to the shame and the stigma. And, you know, you have pediatricians who, you know, tell you it's a phase because they're really only looking and they're only educated in the physical. They're not really educated in the emotional well-being. So I think there's a lot that parents, it's stacked against parents and really being able to identify, like you really have to be tuned in and have an understanding, I think, to, to understand when this shows up, especially when it shows up early, mm-hmm. like it did with my daughter. She was three. Because I'm a single mom, I travel a lot which meant I had a lot of care at home for her. And that was, you know, a part of some of the issues for her. But it's really interesting because it is not, you know, the same thing, you know, for every family, as you know, by talking to your friend. And yet we are seeing these patterns and we are seeing the numbers getting worse, especially among teenage girls. But it's so interesting that you were talking about boys because demographically, our biggest audience on TikTok are 13 to 17 year old boys. And I find that really, really interesting. This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earnin can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like 
a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. Because I've had conversations with a lot of moms about boy stuff this year, I was like, is this like just a boy thing? Is it a girl thing? Is it an age thing? Is it a fifth grade thing? Is it 11 year old thing? I was trying to figure this all out. Uh And I, instead of sticking within my kind of normal boy mom circle, I started reaching out to a few girl moms and in our community. And I'm like, Hey, like, what are you seeing? And it was so interesting. And this is very broad generalization because our community is, you know, tiny microcosm, but they were like, yes, everything seems fine so far. And I was like, wait, is this like just a boy thing? And I only reached out to a couple of people. So this is not to say that 11 year old girls are not experiencing this. But what I thought was so interesting to your point around the data set is I'm like, this was not what I would, but I would have expect a reversal. And so the fact that it does seem very heavy in our boy mom community has been really, really fascinating. And what's been interesting, you talk about getting information from experts, which is obviously so important. Your data around waiting two to eight years to finally get an answer, I think is spot on. No, no. That totally that's to seek help, not to seek help. answer. I'm sorry. Yes. 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 And that's a then, good Then you have to get an answer and right. that can take, you know, right. Right. It took us yeah. seven years. I was seeking help. It took us seven years to get an answer. Yeah. So that long course is so tumultuous. And I think sometimes where what's been helpful to me is being able to have back to conversations, being able to have conversations with other parents who might be in a different place in the process, but supporting it with a child who needs similar support. And this just happened last night where I was saying, you know, a professional might be saying this thing, but I'm kind of wondering about this thing. And the mom that I was with, she's like, oh, I've been around the block here. She's like, let me tell you. She's like, it's B, it's not A. Like, she's like, they're going to take you down the A route, but it's B and that's where you're going to end up. And like, I was driving home and I was like, that was the most valuable conversation I've ever had about my child's mental health. And it was over dinner with a friend. Does your, and does your child like gaming? A little bit. I mean, yeah. like, yes, he plays video games. Yes. Yeah. So that's a big piece of the equation when it comes to teenage boys, mm-hmm. a really big piece of the equation. And as we move into a world of AI, I think it will be significantly worse, but that's, you know, so Roblox, Fortnite, things like that are breeding grounds for, yeah. for yes. anxiety in boys, right? Yes. And other things. But it's really interesting because I'm a girl mom. So, you know, I, but in our film, we interview a number of families and a number of kids without their parents. And so you hear directly from these families and these kids who are so courageous in sharing their stories and so raw and so authentic and really not concerned with how they look, but in sharing their stories. So I marvel every time I I watch this film, I marvel at just how brave they are. And it's really great. I think when you hear from families, just like the dinner you had last night, when you talk to another parent 
and especially moms, right? Moms are the usually the first responders in the household. Mm-hmm. And so, but when you talk to another parent and you are swapping notes, that's what community is supposed to do, right? That's a connection, even if it's over something difficult. You know, having these difficult conversations are essential. They're critical for our children's well-being because as a parent, when you make a call, and I'm not suggesting that this was, you know, absolutely the case, but when you make a call to other parents and they tell you everything is fine, either they're not telling you what's going on or they're not aware of what's going on Mm. because the statistics tell us they're not fine, right? And girls actually are significantly worse than boys, teenage girls. Mm-hmm. And so the CDC put out a report last spring, you know, that, and I think it's a low number, but they say 57% of US teen girls are persistently sad and hopeless. I'm sure you've heard this before, but mm-hmm. that's a 60% increase over the past decade. Wow. I had not heard that. <laughs> yep. A hundred percent of all teens report an increased mental health challenge. Nearly one in three seriously considered suicide in 2021. So post pandemic, I want to give you This comes from Vivek Murthy, the Surgeon General, but I think this perfectly encapsulates where we are with our children's mental health. He says, I want you to imagine high school of a thousand students. Now imagine 450 of them saying they're persistently sad and hopeless. 200 are saying that they've considered suicide and 100 have actually tried. That is the state of our youth mental health. And those are just the numbers and the facts. I'm imagining a gym. I'm imagining my high school gym right now. And I'm imagining exactly those numbers that you just said and dividing the whole school population into those number sets and standing there and looking at that and recognizing like there's this whole 100 kids over here and 250 over that like those numbers are staggering staggering when you right? think about standing as a parent as a community member standing in a room witnessing like actual bodies. It's heartbreaking. It is the most serious medical crisis we're facing in this country right now. And it's been the proverbial can that's been kicked for decades. When we were making Anxious Nation, I went all the way back to Eleanor Roosevelt doing radio, you know, talking about the state of mental health in our country. And every, you know, obviously she wasn't a president, but she was a first lady. But every president since then has, has talked about the need for better care in this country and the need for better resources. And yet we haven't allocated what, you know, is necessary to meet the demand. And we're so far behind now. We have manpower problem, right? We, yes. we don't have enough people in the field and it'll be, I don't know how we're going to make up for that other than to say that yeah. there are other options, right? So before I spoke to you today, I was talking to the CEO and founder of a peer-to-peer counseling app. They're, you know, and a lot of kids actually prefer that. They don't relate to their therapist. They don't, you know, they don't relate to have a, you know, a weekly session. They want, when they're in crisis, they want help and they want it now. What I'm so optimistic about is that there are a lot of people going into this lane that are saying, well, I, I think I can do something to make a difference. And really what's so fascinating is these young, you know, Gen X Gen Ys that are saying, we want to solve this problem. I look at my daughter who's 15 and I look at her generation. I have the greatest hope that they will be the first generation that comes up that actually will break, you know, the barriers when it comes to stigma and comes to mental health and they normalize it. Yeah. Oh, I have goosebumps when you said that. It's interesting because when I think about that, I think about being really protective over our children's medical information and having a podcast and being someone who talks about this kind of stuff a lot. And I'm always very aware of like, what do I say? What do I not say? Like, ha. And I'm sure you in producing and writing Anxious Nation, same thing. You're like, okay, like, what's the thing that 
is safe for me to share this, not like compromising or jeopardizing things for my children. And I love the idea that there will be a space where this is normalized enough that I don't have to worry about like repercussions or, you know, shame or whatever related to my kid's story being out there. And back to your point around like a a kid with a rash versus a kid with a mental health struggle that like, just like, I wouldn't hesitate for a moment to be like, oh, my kid woke up and had this weird rash today. Does anyone know what this is? (laughs) It would be like so normal. Like that's like every parent Facebook parent group, right? Right. And to be able to have those kinds of conversations in a really open way, I think would be, has the potential to be such a game changer. And I think right now they're happening in really quiet pockets in like, you know, text threads of two or three moms who were like, oh my God, thank God you were here. You're doing this too, or you're feeling this or experiencing this, seeing this with your kid and you're getting that relief, but it's in this like very small micro way versus a macro system way. It's so true. But, you know, it's one of the reasons that I made Anxious Nation, right? Because, look, I knew that I, my feet were, was in two canoes when I made this movie. One, I knew that if I really wanted to get the accolades of of Hollywood, I had to do something that was going to be very celebrity driven. It was going to be very, you know, a very specific, you know, style of filmmaking. But my other foot, the other canoe was making a film that I wanted and needed as a parent and not getting all, you know, sort of lost in the bright, shiny thing of whoever this famous person is. Because in so many ways, we relate to fame and and to those personalities. But in so many ways, you watch those films and you go, but that's not my family, right? We're not dealing with the struggles of fame or, you know, things that come with it. Or So what I wanted to do and what was so important to me was diversity. And when I say diversity in our storytelling, it wasn't just cultural diversity. And there was a big difference in, in cultural diversity and how mental health is managed or not managed. Yeah. But I wanted diversity in socioeconomic, right? I wanted diversity in where people lived. So I have a, an entire cast from all over the country because it does make a difference. And I also wanted diversity in how anxiety shows up because it's a shapeshifter. And it changes, right? So what made my daughter anxious when she was in, you know, her toddler years, seven, eight, whatever, is certainly not what made her anxious when she became a teenager and not what's making her anxious now, you know, as she's 15 going on 16. So you have to really learn to adapt. And there's a great conversation that we have in Anxious Nation where we refer to anxiety as like a cult leader in the home. Yeah. Right. So it dictates everything that happens in your home. And some families listening, I'm sure will get this. It dictates where your child sleeps, what time you go to bed, where you can go out to eat, what you have for dinner. And we mentally checking every box right here <laughs> that you just mentioned. Right. And so as long as you're doing what that cult leader wants you to do, there's way less stress. Mm-hmm. The second you're not doing it. Okay. That's when there's problems. That's when it really rears its head. That's when it says, you know, like the anxiety amazingly doesn't have a lot of tricks in its toolbox. It really shows up pretty much the same way. How we respond to it is the difference maker. So if we're doing the disorder, which is the other phrase that I just love that came out of our film, if we're doing the disorder by, you know, saying, okay, you can sleep in my bed and, or you're going to bed eight o'clock. And if it means keeping you in bed, I'll go to bed at eight o'clock. By the way, I'm so happy to go to bed at eight o'clock anyway, but um, there's right. so many nights where I'm like, oh, of course, I'm happy to go to bed right now. Yeah, it's no problem. I'm not going to read you a book though, but you know, yes, like, same, right? So, <laughs> but I, I mean, as long as 
we're tired at the end of the day. This is the why we want to go to bed. Yeah. We're tired. We don't want the struggle. We don't want to have to do the hard things, right? Yeah. I just had an entire day of hard things. So, you know, when you're doing the disorder, when you're serving the cult leader, and when you're serving the cult leader, you're creating a cycle that just keeps spinning and spinning mm. and spinning. And how do you get out of that cycle? How do you create a resilient child? Yeah. That's what I think we have to take a look at right? How do you give them the tools that when anxiety shows up, they recognize the feeling and they know what to do with it. And that's a lot of what we talk about in Anxious Nation. That's everything that you just said. I'm like laughing to myself because it's so relatable. But I also, I think it's so important to mention because there's these two kind of polar opposites that I've experienced as a child myself and then with my own child. So when I was really little, I had undiagnosed anxiety and it really, really ruled my life. But my family didn't know. Like my mom didn't know. Again, single mom, two kids worked. She was a teacher. She like, I didn't know how to talk about it. So I just had all these worries that like kept me awake all night, every night. But I didn't really tell her like, I have all these worries that keep me awake. So I would get really scared during the night. I would call out for help. I'd say, I want to sleep with her. And she's like, oh, I don't want to start bad habits. So you can't sleep with me. What ended up happening is I felt unsafe and didn't have my needs met, which really continued to like cycle the anxiety. And it took me to like my mid forties to kind of put this all together. So then as a parent, I'm like, well, I don't want my child to feel unsafe. I don't want him to feel like his needs aren't being met when he's having the same experiences that I was having. So now the opposite is like, anytime you feel scared, there is a, let me make you a bed on the floor. That's just permanently there. And now we're like, how many years are we going to this bed on the floor. So it's having to figure out that delicate balance around creating resiliency. Like that's been tricky because I don't want to have a child that doesn't have the skills to say like, I can do this on my own and be safe and it's okay. And et cetera, et cetera. So there's been some like shifting that my husband and I have been talking through and working with as my son's got a little older to recognize like a certain point you're just enabling, you're not really creating space for that resiliency that you mentioned. Well, enabling is an interesting word because I would actually say you're doing the disorder, right? Thank you. Yes. Doing right. the disorder. Yes. That's right. my new, I like that phrase. It's I would say, you know, and you're serving the cult leader, right? Yeah. But people ask me all the time, like the low hanging fruit, the question I get all the time is, well, you know, these kids, they're so anxious because of social media. They're so anxious mm. because they have phones. They're so anxious because of their devices, whether it's an iPad, if it's a little kid, you know, whatever I go no. I said, there's correlation, no mm. question, right? Yeah. But I don't know that it's, the reason, for sure, I know it's not the reason. There's certainly causation, right? I think, and this was something that I got out of making the film and doing four years of interviews. And to the point in the story that you just shared, Sarah, is that we have a generation of parents who never dealt with their own anxiety because either A, they didn't know they had it or B, they didn't know how, okay? Mm -hmm. And they're raising a generation of kids so that they don't feel as bad as you did, right? Yeah. Yeah, And in doing that, you're coming from this incredibly loving and nurturing space. There's no ill intent. I had to learn this as a parent. Okay. But what I recognized and only from making this film and telling these stories is that I was adding to the problem. I was adding to the problem and from a pure place of love, from a pure place of, I don't want my kid to hurt, right? What parent wants their kid to hurt? But you know, it's interesting because Life is hard sometimes yeah. and our kids will be challenged. And what we're seeing is we're seeing these kids who, you know, were, I will say, nurtured, their anxiety was nurtured, right? Going off to college and they're not able to manage it and they fall apart and it happens quickly. Yeah. And, you know, and the crisis on college campuses right now, 
And and certainly things are so ratcheted up on college campuses today. But the problem is, is that their students are actually reaching out for help. And this is before the pandemic, the average wait time to get an intake appointment. So not even a therapy session, but an intake appointment, like do you need therapy was anywhere from three to 12 weeks. Hmm. And that number has just gotten worse. Yeah. The college campuses like the schools simply are not equipped for the demand, right? And it yeah. really shouldn't be a school solution, right? These are our kids. So mm-hmm. I always tell people that systemic change has to start at home. And when you want to learn how to manage your child's anxiety, it has to be treated systemically, which means the family, the parents have to also be treated. So that you understand that the things you're doing that you think are right, if they're actually causing more harm than good, you need to know that. How else would you know yeah. that? You know, so that it's sense. it's fascinating stuff. Like when you really think about it, it's fascinating. And, and you know, we have to be our own advocates, but we also have to be our children's advocate. 100%. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, it's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by Nutrafol. Did you know that hair thinning will happen to approximately one in two women? If you're among them, you are not alone. Thinning hair is normal, but it's not openly talked about, so it can feel lonely and frustrating and sometimes even embarrassing when you're going through it yourself. Join the over one million people who are doing something about their thinning hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. Oh my gosh, I am a heavy shedder. So if you are a heavy shedder or if you are someone who's wanting to thicken your hair, I definitely want you to try out Nutrafol. I have loved using it myself and I know multiple other people who've used it and have found great results. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. To get started, you can take their hair quiz on Nutrafol.com, which will give you a personalized health plan based on your special root causes. Nutrafol is committed to helping you identify root causes of any shedding or hair loss so that you can really start to rebuild healthy hair in a way that is customized to you. So take the first steps to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code SHAMELESS. 
Find out why 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Go to Nutrafol.com. That's N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code SHAMELESS. Nutrafol.com, code SHAMELESS. You know, when you're in crisis and you hear, I mean, this is even like, mental health, or like, let's say you have like a a toothache, like when you go to get help and they're like, well, we can help you in three to 12 weeks or three to 12 months or two to three years or whatever the thing is. And right now, like legitimately it's years for kids here in Seattle to like, you want an assessment at the best hospital, get on the wait list. It will probably be two years. So when we hear that, then you're like, well, I mean, that's not a solution. So then you try to figure something else out, but you can't really find anything else. Like there's nothing that you can immediately do or it feels that way. And so then you're like, well, I guess we just are going to get through this day. And what I'm seeing and, you know, feeling I'm seeing it around me, but also having experienced this is I'm now at this point where I'm like, oh, remember two years ago, you were like, well, I'm not going to wait two years to get that appointment. And now I'm like, well, wow, like I'd be getting that appointment now. (laughs) Well, but you know, it's when you say there's nothing, I just want to say that takes away hope. Right. Yes. Yes. And I should cl- reclarify, like, it feels like there's nothing that's immediately accessible. So it feels like there's not something immediately accessible that yes. And I please reframe that for me. <laughs> sure. No, I mean, of course, because you're overwhelmed. Yeah. Like, you represent, I represent, we represent, you know, the, the parents out there who feel exactly the same way. Your mom, think about your mom was a teacher. God mm-hmm. bless for that contribution. Right. And a single mom. I mean, she was tired at the end of the day. Oh yeah. (laughs) Right. And so, you know, trying to figure out if you had anxiety was not top of the list for her, not that there was anything wrong with it. Right. Right. There were just things that she needed to take care of, like putting food on the table. So here's what I want to say to that. The reason why I first, this is going to sound so self-serving, but I don't mean it that way at all. But the first thing I would say is watch anxious nation. Yes. Okay. Because it's available on Amazon, on Apple, on Google Play, and you can always go to anxiousnation.com. But what that will do is open your eyes and allow you to have a conversation that needs to take place in your family. Because so often your mom was a single mom, I'm a single mom, you're married. What happens when you're in a marriage where you have one parent who believes in tough love and Mm. one parent who's like, oh, I'm going to do the disorder. I'm all about the cult leader, right? You don't understand. I've actually seen this dynamic and oh, it's so tricky. And it's so tricky. Right. So when you see it and, you know, and we, there's so much of this that we, that we touch on in our film, what that does is it gives you the ability to turn to whoever your loved one is and say, do I do that? You know, is that like, do we do that? Is this something we need to be aware of? Because like being conscious of it, right. This is what Dr. Shafali is so great at is conscious parenting. Being conscious of it is a big piece of the equation, pushing it down. It's too hard. I don't want to deal with it. Life is too hard. I know there's anxiety in my home, but what can I do? There's nothing I can do. There are things you can do, right? There are simple things like putting time aside and saying, we're going to have, I know it sounds better in theory than the reality, but we do this in my family, right? We're going to have a device-free Sunday. Okay. I have to put my device down when that happens, right? (laughs) You know, it's, we we all have have to make the sacrifices we want our children. Yeah. But connection, finding time to connect with each other in different ways, play a game, play a board game, go for a walk, you know, walk the dogs, be in nature, love your pets, Mm -hmm. right? There's so much 
there is so much data that talks about, you know, just having, you know, an animal around is, you know, so good for your mental health. And we saw that specifically during COVID when people were so lonely Mm -hmm. and loneliness and isolation and disconnection, I think is really the core. If you ask me what the bullseye of this is, it's that you have married couples who are terribly lonely, right? You have kids who feel lonely and isolated and they're not talking about it. They're not doing anything to reconnect. Mm -hmm. We weren't made to be singular right? We were meant to be plural. We were meant to be connected. And, you know, we're all living our lives. Our kids have sports and they have this and they're doing the school play or they're, you know, whatever it is. It's really important to take a step back and go, okay, anxiety is energy. Hear me on this. Okay. That's all anxiety is. Yeah. Okay. So if I can take a step back and go, how do I take that energy and harness it and use it for good? Can I do art? Can I write music? Can I play a sport? Can I can be an actor? I can be, you know, I can volunteer. These are all things you can do right now for no money, okay? No cost that will exponentially improve your mental health. I love those examples. And those are examples that I think are really significant with kids. It's like finding what their thing is and what is that release for them. And there's a couple on that list that you just mentioned that have been really, really helpful for us. And my son, he's actually still in this. He goes in and out of this phase, but drawing and like stacks of paper, stacks, reams of paper where there's like one little thing drawn on it. And I'm like, can you use more of the paper, please? And then he goes on to the next page. There was a time during the pandemic where I was ordering 10 packs of spiral notebooks for him to draw in. And he would, that was what he did at nighttime when he would go to bed. If he couldn't go to sleep, he would draw. And like during the day, if he's, you know, time off devices, like he's over there drawing quiet time in the morning over there drawing. Sports have also been really helpful, but finding those little things that do channel energy. Like I've found those things for myself and helping our kids find those things, I think is so significant. And then your point around connection time, I also think is really significant. And as my son gets a little older, he's starting to really want to walk to school alone. Like, I don't need you anymore, mom. And my thing is, I'm like, that's our connection time. Like he doesn't know that, but I'm like, that's how I find out what's going on. Like every day on the walk home from school, he's telling me like, this wasn't fair, or I loved this or whatever. And that's how I get the downloads of what's going on. I'm like, you have to walk to and from school with me every day forever. (laughs) (laughs) How else am I going to get this information? You know, I want to share with you that, and so anybody listening, I'm about to blow the great surprise of our film. So, you know. All still going to go watch it. Okay, I hope so. But we curated artwork from kids Mm. from all over the world that depict their anxiety. And we use it throughout the film. And what we learned in curating this artwork was that this is not just something happening here in the United States, although we are by Statistically, we are the most anxious nation in the world. The artwork comes from India. It comes from Australia. It comes from Ukraine. It comes, you know, from the UK. And we, of course, we had artwork from kids from all over the United States. When you see the artwork in this film, it will blow your mind because in and of itself, it is a story. This is where they're at. And, and it's such a great outlet. Art therapy is such a great outlet. And it's just one of many, right? You know, you can dance, you can, you know, there's so many things you can do, but I think it's so important that first of all, thank you for acknowledging and hearing what I'm trying to say, because I never want anyone to think there's nothing that they can do. 
There are so many good books out there. Lynn Lyons has a terrific book called The Anxiety Audit. Harold Kopowitz has The Scaffold Effect. Shafali, Conscious Parenting. You know, she's Oprah's All Things Parenting. There are resources and there are a lot of really great people online talking about this and, you know, where you can get inspired and, and feel like two things. I don't feel like it's not just you right? Feel like you pointed out earlier, so you can feel seen and heard. And it's not just you, but you can also understand and accept that it's okay not to be okay. And when you say find what your kid, you know, wants to do, right? Like what's their passion? I think so often parents push kids into things that are not their passion, but we think it's right for them, right? And so one of the biggest lessons and ahas that I had in making this film was allowing my daughter to be who she is and not who I want her to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And that was a big Absolutely. lesson for me. Yeah. I want to keep talking for like four more hours, but I'm aware <laughs> of the time. Can you tell me, so obviously Anxious Nation is for parents and that's a no brainer. Everyone's going to go watch it. You can watch it with your kids. I that was my say, question. Yeah. yeah so can, yes. Is that appropriate? And is there like an age where that's more appropriate or? I would say 12 and up. Okay. I would say 12 and up. I think under 12, they're just not going to sit through it, right? Okay. But 12 and up. And and certainly if you make it a family, here's a great way to connect as a family, right? Watch this movie together and then set some time aside afterwards. Like, don't just watch this movie and go, okay, time to go to bed. Yeah. Set some time aside to talk about what you've just seen. Because we cover in the film, we go from adolescence to middle school, to high school, to college. So there's something in here for every family that's coping with this or trying to cope with this at any stage of life, right? Yeah. So, but yes, you know, and you can order it up on Amazon, sit and make a big bowl of popcorn and and talk about it and talk back at the screen and go, oh my God, that's totally you, mom, or, you know, whatever it is. That's what we want. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love this. I feel like this is such a great I was going to say starting point. It might not be a starting point for people because people listening might already be in process with a lot of this, but I think this is a great next step wherever you're at, (laughs) whether you're just beginning to learn about your children and their mental health, or you're at a place where you maybe have some services and you're looking for more answer or relatable content that um, speaks to you and where you're at right now. Anxious Nation is obviously a really, really great resource and opportunity to find something that's immediately accessible. So can you please tell us, Laura, where can we find, mention it again, where can we find Watch Anxious Nation and then anywhere else if you want to point us to to connect with you? Absolutely. So if you go to anxiousnation.com, there's links, direct links to Amazon, Google Play, and Apple TV. You can also watch it right through our website. We also have a really robust newsletter that provides books we love, movies we're watching, stuff that parents go, wow, you know, I'm going to order that book because it feels like something that I could use right now. So everything that, that we put out there is about resources and it's about helping families like our own that just want to feel connected and are interested in getting a better understanding of what's going on in their family. So anxiousinformation.com. And they can get the news, subscribe to the newsletter there as well. Absolutely. Perfect. So we'll link that up in the show notes. If people go to shamelessmom.com and click on the episode with Laura Morton, that will be, people can drop right through to anxiousnation.com. We also have your Instagram here at anxiousnation for people that want to follow there. Oh my goodness, Laura, this has been absolutely incredible. Our closing question, can you tell us in one sentence how you are currently showing up as a shameless mom? It's such a good question. When I saw it, I was like, how am I going to answer this? (laughs) Yes. I feel like I'm using my platform to represent other moms who feel like they don't have a voice or a say. And I feel like it's a responsibility. So my shameless mom moment is using my voice. Mm, Thank you. We all appreciate that so, so much. 
Laura, thank you for being here. This was an incredible conversation. I'm so grateful for your willingness to do this work and put it out in the world so that it can benefit so many of our families, our children. Grateful for you and for the time that you took to be here today. Well, Sarah, thank you. What, this went by fast, but what a great conversation. <laughs> You're a rock star. Thank well, you for having the us. The next movie, book, what documentary, docuseries, whatever, you have to come back and talk about that too. <laughs> Consider it done. Absolutely. Now, anytime, you know, anytime you want to talk about this, there's so much we didn't get to. So anytime you want to talk about it, yeah, I'd love okay. to. Thanks, thank Sarah. You, Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.